I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Good evening, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Um, So I'm really excited to... This is our first graphic novel that we've discussed, so looking forward to getting into it. So Persepolis, The Story of a Childhood, book one by Marjane Satrapi. Um, But before we get into that, we've got a couple things to get through first. Um, First, what is your libation this evening? Um, I am just having a margarita. It's delicious. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I had these grand plans. I looked up some like Persian kind of cocktails, mm. but the ones that I wanted to make required this certain kind of like mint syrup that's Persian and I couldn't get it in time. So Aww. I did not think ahead early enough. But so I have it's vodka, it's cucumber flavored vodka, watermelon juice, and then I have some frozen watermelon chunks that I put in Ooh. there along with the ice. So it's actually really good. So that I'm okay delicious. with not getting exactly what I wanted. It's right up your alley with the watermelon. I <laughs> love watermelon. <laughs> I really do. I love watermelon. I love cucumber fruit drinks. Yeah, big fan. So love it. It's one of my favorite parts of summer. Well, and yours sounds lovely as well. Nice and light and refreshing. Yeah. So, um, and then also, do you want to tell everybody what our next book is? so They can pick up a copy from their local bookstore yes. and be prepared. Yes. Yeah, so we are switching up our genres again. This time we are going to go for The Maidens. It's a relatively new release. It's by Alex. I'm going to butcher it. Michaelides. Michaelides. That works. M. Um, Alex M. Yeah. So it is a thriller book. Um, I believe that there's a murder involved. And it just kind (laughs) of... I don't know. I don't. I believe there is a murder. (laughs) Most thrillers have murders, don't they? I don't know. I don't know the full synopsis, but I read really good things about it, and it's going to be good. It kind of mixes, I guess, like um, themes of mythology within this more like modern murder, um, which I think is going to be really exciting. And I honestly don't usually read like suspenseful or thriller kind of novels, so I'm excited to to kind of dive into something like this. Yes, it's here. It's Edward Fosca is a murderer. Of this, Mariana is certain, but Fosca is untouchable. A handsome and charismatic Greek tragedy professor at Cambridge University, Fosca is adored by staff and students alike, particularly by the members of a secret society of female students known as the Maidens. Okay, so I knew there was a murder. You were correct. That was a really good guess. I mean, most thrillers have those, I guess. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, so this is new. I like this. We haven't we haven't done a thriller this kind of uh category before so this should be good i haven't read this author before either oh pardon my yawn so sorry yeah this is gonna be really fun i wonder if it's gonna be like a a big plot twist or if it's more psychological it's gonna be fun to i think read part of this and like maybe take guesses of how it's gonna end or something before before we finish it it's gonna be fun Yes, I'm excited. Okay, so that's kind of our next book. So please go pick up a copy from your local bookstore um, or bookstore.org. So that way you can be prepped for us. Um, Okay. Uh, And then let's see, you have some rapid fire questions for us, right? 
Yes, I do have some. Okay, Audra. Yes or no? Don't think about it too hard. Um, <laughs> there is, and I am not saying I agree with these statements. I'm just going to make some statements, and then you tell me if you agree with them. This, okay, and these then statements are, you gonna are reply? not necessarily my opinion. Okay, and then are you going to reply after I do? Like, will you give an answer? Yes. Okay, all right. All right, go for it. Okay. There is no point in buying multiple copies of your favorite book. No. No. That's a, uh, I feel like that's just a no. Yeah, um, duh. Okay. Okay. Listening to an audiobook counts as reading. Yes. I mean. I'm on the fence. Yeah. I mean, I, I say however you ingest knowledge and literature and art, go for it. So I'm not going to say no. I prefer to read a physical book. But yeah, that's, yeah. Again, I put way too much thought in it. So I'm just going to say yes, it's reading. Yeah. Okay. For me, I would say I think you aren't going to get as much out of a book through an audiobook as you would sitting down and looking at the pages. Because usually I think people listen to audiobooks when they're doing other things as way of multitasking. Yeah, you're not as focused on it. Right. But I will say I do like to reread with audiobooks. So if like I'm going mm. on a trip or something and it's something I am already familiar with and I already know the story, I will listen to audiobooks for books I've already actually physically read. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. with you. Um, what is more important, the character or the plot? Character. Character. For me. For me, for me as well. Character yeah. for sure. Um... Okay. <laughs> uh, do you read books while you're on the toilet? Yep. Yep. Me too. <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> Better than looking at your phone. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. Book smell or book cover? Like, wait, the smell of it or the cover of it? What's more important to you? Like, what do you like the most about books? The smell of a good book? Like, oh, the, sm the smell of the pages... Or a good cover? I guess I'll have to say cover because pages, like, it's always going to smell. Like, it's just always there. I don't know. What if you had well, to and give I one can, up? What if you had to I, say, uh, if it's a good cover, it can't okay. smell like anything I, good? I love the smell of a good book, but honestly, like, I really love the aesthetics of books, too. It's why I have books and I don't have, like, a Kindle or anything. And I, like, have, like, I like seeing books in my house and, like, yeah. their covers. So, yeah, I, I guess I would have to go with cover if I could only have one. So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with the oh, that's smell. Like, that's a real Sophie's choice there. I, <laughs> yes, it is just like choosing which just, child's going to die. Like that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta hey, control myself. Last question. And this one uh, is a spoiler alert, possibly, for Harry Potter if you haven't read it. Oh, whatever. I'm sorry. If you don't know what the hell happened in Harry Potter, like, I don't want to. Seriously. That doesn't need a spoiler alert. Guys, he wins. Okay, Harry right Potter now. beats. Harry Potter beats Voldemort. There's your spoiler. <laughs> and your okay. favorite characters will also die and there's your other spoiler <laughs> okay uh, um is draco malfoy a victim or a villain 
Oh, well, most vi villains are victims, I suppose. Uh, both. I don't know. He's a... I don't know. He's a villain because you make your own choices. But... Yeah, I think that... I'm reading a lot into that. <laughs> she has... She, I think she I, paints him as a victim. I think she paints him more as a... She paints him as a victim because they get, like, pardoned at the end. But... I think she could have done a lot more if she was going to go in that direction to, like, give him an actual redemption arc. Yeah. Rather than just, like, Did oh. you ever read the, what was the name of it? The play she wrote where it's about Harry and Draco's children. Yeah, Harry. Well, she didn't write it. Her well, she helped produce it. She, yeah. Yeah. She didn't she write like, it, but she was associated with it, right? Yeah. She, I think she helped, like, she signed off on the plot as, like, that's canon, and then I think she produced the play. Um, so her name is like, when you buy the screenplay, her name's on it. Yeah. But it's this other guy's name, too, who I think actually wrote it. Yeah, no, that's I did right. I remember that I now. read that. I never saw it, but I did read it. And yeah, they paint. I think he's painted as very much more of a victim in, from that. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're a villain? Um, I think he is a villain, but I think that if I had written the books, I would have done something different with him. I think there was a lot yeah. more potential in him as a character of, like, proving that you can, like, actually move past prejudice. Like, even if you're, like, raised to be prejudiced and raised mm -hmm. to be awful, like, you still have a choice and you can change and you can make those decisions as you become an adult. And, like, I think that that's the route she should have gone in rather than him I think just kind of like being a victim of circumstance and like yeah. his biggest redemption arc basically is saying like oh I don't know if that's them or if it's not like rather than actually yeah. doing something yeah I see what you're saying there I agree okay on that Tight. note I have one more controversial question oh. all right all Potter. right oh geez um is Snape actually mm. a good guy or was he still just kind of like a dick the whole time? Um, I think people who take out their prejudices on innocent children are not good people, even though he has reason to feel isolated and shunned. So that's me. He's always bad guy because, you yeah, know, at that point, Harry's innocent. And I don't know. I don't want anyone taking anything out on my kids. Right. And like the good stuff he does, it's like, okay, she wasn't It's also selfishly. Yeah. yeah. And it's just kind of like a weird, I don't know. I still really like him as a character. I think he's, oh, he's a, great, a great character. Great character. But yeah, I still yeah. like, I don't think he gets a full redemption. Like a lot of people treat it. Yeah, I agree. All right. All right. Those were good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Liked it. Um, okay. So what did you think of Persepolis I really loved this book um, I think you could tell that this graphic novel was written and published at a very specific time like I think she needed mm -hmm. you can tell it was published post 9-11 it's a post 9-11 yeah. book even though it's not about a time necessarily that like at least in the first book because we're ta only talking about book one today um, well so it was written in 2000 i wasn't was the second one published in 2002 then second one was published in 2004 
Oh. For so one, the I first think it was 2002. You don't know. The first book was published in 2000. Um, oh, there it's was the translation. English translation. Yeah, the English translation came out in 2003 and then 2004. Okay. That's what and I then was they did a of. they did a film adaptation later, right? And then it got a lot of like it's on like the list of challenge books or something because of graphic language and images or something like that. But yeah, so for those of you who unfortunately didn't read it, it's set in like the eighties. Um, this girl Margie, um, it's Marjan the author, and I think she's like nine or ten, and she grows up kind of before and then like it's she was born before the islamic revolution but then grows up in that age range during the islamic revolution in iran and so it it's interesting because her family is like upper middle class she's very educated her parents are very Mm -hmm. educated they're very you know like they drink and party and are all about art and literature and yeah very western um and so then it talks kind of about how that impacted them when the revolution started and like and then her parents, it kind of ends where she's, the, the first book ends where she's sent to Vienna um, to go to school, to kind of be in this boarding school, to kind of continue educational opportunities and continue to like try and live a more fulfilled life because they're noticing that like that's not going to be possible in mm-hmm. Iran anytime soon. It's it's really interesting. There's a lot that I, I think it's a great way, it's a great way to learn and, and become more aware of Persia and the Iranian revolution and what life is like for actual people there. And, you know, just what, I mean, can you, I just can't even imagine living that way. No. Living, I, living through that. Either. And all of a sudden to have this like regime change into, uh, I mean, it's scary to think about and it's scary to think about how not unlikely that is. Well, just how quickly it can happen really. Like, you know, I, I, spoke about this book as if it was like a post 9-11 thing in the way it's written and I think even though it's not I think it's hard to read this and not constantly be thinking about that and thinking about yeah. like so many of the prejudice and prejudices that there are and like Islamophobia and p- kind of p- the way that I think a lot of nations have placed a lot of blame on the people for whatever political issues we've had with these nations when like this book does a great job of I think showing just like how normal so many of these people were and like they were just like us I mean when she's growing up a lot of the things that she experiences before um the revolution kind of starts is just normal like her concerns are normal that she's just Mm -hmm. a kid she's just a girl that's so relatable and then everything changes and it's not her parents fault it's not her grandparents fault like they're as much I think kind of like victims in these situations as I think a lot of people when they look at the Middle East they like to kind of make it like this has just been part of those cultures always and that's just not the case right yeah I know it's really and it's interesting like it's always good to to connect with something in these stories with people and to just see this, the same concerns and worries. And like, I love how she talks about how she looks at what God is and how, well, if I pray to him, he answers my prayers. And like, she Mm -hmm. has, she has these images of like being a really spiritual person. And then, but then as she grows up, she has normal 
teenage girl worries. And then like, you know, I, I love there's one chapter called Heroes where she talks about like family members she learns of or other people she learns of that have been, you know, that were political prisoners and what they went through. And there's almost like this, you know, I know someone who went through this, which is worse than what that person, you know, went through and kind of this idea of martyrs and like what what that means and what they represent. And like she almost has a little bit of this hero worship on it. Um, and just like when you think of what that violence is from afar and how that matters to you versus like towards the end of the part one where, you know, missiles strike her neighborhood and her neighbors that she's friends with, including a girl that's like her age, yeah, die. And that's kind of what that's like a that makes it real for her in a way that it hasn't been. And that's part of what starts like a shift for her. And then shortly after that they send her way to Vienna. And so it's just interesting to see, like you can even feel removed from, from violence or from consequences. You know, her family was well mm-hmm. off um, until it, it, it comes home. It comes to your doorstep. Yeah. And it's so gradual, right? Like you look at, you mm-hmm. look at this, I think story and because we hopefully kind of know what happens with this revolution and what it and leads And she does to. a really good job, I think, of putting in explanations. Like, I think she that does. she does a good job in the novel of not, like, making it a, a textbook, but of giving the factual timelines, and but making it brief and then bringing the story back to her right. and her family. Like and, like, why it. certain obstacles are there or something, you know? Like, why uh, her uncle couldn't get a passport, for example, right. you know? Um yeah, I think she does a great job showing that. But I also think, you know, as a reader, to me, I was like, why haven't you left yet? Why haven't you left yet? Why haven't you left yet? Like these things just yeah. keep building. There are more and more restrictions, um, more and more danger, more and more disagreement. Like their quality of life or like their freedom to live is just slowly kind of squashed in so many ways. And it, to me, it's just like, oh, like, why haven't you left? Like, can't you see what's happening? And I think, you know, it, it just shows a good job of, like, it does a good job of showing the slow progress and the slow things that are taken away and then, like, how it just builds to something bigger until eventually she does leave, until eventually yeah. it gets to the point that her parents think you need to leave. And it's not just that she gets expelled, I don't think. I think there's more things. It's all the all the contributing factors tell them they need to send her away. Yeah, and it's interesting that I love how she presents her parents. Like I think she does a really nice job of like you can tell how much she looks up to them and loves them and admires them, but then she's this I mean, they're real people with faults and she puts right. their faults out there and like and her own. Like I think she this is just such a vulnerable you know, novel. And I think it's interesting that she puts it in a, in this graphic format because it, mm-hmm. she can, she's even vulnerable in how she like draws, you know, like what do the characters look like? Like how, you know, and how she presents herself and like, is she just is so vulnerable about it and she just paints people, you know, warts and all. And I think it's an interesting way to present it. I don't know. I really like graphic novels ever since I read mouse and like, mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting way to tackle really hard subjects. I agree. It's a way I think of. And, and even what I, she's doing. I mean, she's pro- Iranian and yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, there's a lot of 
awful things that happen to people who draw, you know, items that people that have to do with, you know, Muhammad or the Muslim faith. And so even in that, she's adding an element of um, protest. Right. In the fact that she's doing it. Um, Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting. And I love um, I love how she just presents people. And I love how, like I said, it's warts and all. She's really upfront about how her mom and dad feel differently about the revolution. And her dad's a little bit more like her mom seems a little bit more pessimistic about it. And her Mm -hmm. dad like really leans on what the BBC says. You know, like sometimes they they're too um, reliant on outside information, kind of like you said, how can they not leave? It's almost like they're ignoring things that are right in front of them. Right. Which certainly happens. <laughs> right. Well, it happens so slowly. It's like a lobster in hot water. Like you don't you don't realize really what's happening to you. You don't notice you're being cooked alive until you're it's too late. You know? Yeah. Like and I think that that's kind of what's going on here. Like why for example, when she talks about the missiles and the bombing um, of Tehran, like, why don't they leave the city? You know, like, yeah, everybody else does. She talks about how it turns into a ghost town. Very few people stay, but they stay. And it's baffling to read because, like, why would you stay? Why would you stay? But at the same time, I think it also, it's clear that a lot of it is this, kind of loyalty or dedication to like your home you know why would you leave your home even when terrible things are happening to it it's it's still your home and I I just feel I felt really empathetic to that like what would it actually take for me to feel like I needed to leave my country you know that's a big deal and for her to leave her parents like she's not only leaving her country but she's going alone you Mm -hmm. know and they're staying and like and and I I think it's interesting coming from like a young girl because she's also going through all all the traumas that come with being a young girl. And then she's, Mm -hmm. you know, with the revolution now, she's got this whole other host of like, you know, things forced on her with the veil. Like, I love how she she talks about that and what that's like to now all of a sudden have to wear that to school. I mean, just the the way she describes what school's like when how that changes, you know, that's something I think you don't necessarily think about or I haven't thought about, you know, those those day to day things that continue on when these revolutions are happening, mm-hmm. while this regime change is happening, it's not just all about the, you know, combat, but about what people are enduring on their day to day lives. Like she talks about the market and what schools like now, and like the different cars they get. You know, just all those little changes that you don't necessarily always think about. Right. Like I think it's the chapter the jewels where they're like going to the supermarkets and like they're empty and people are fighting over things. And like mm-hmm. her mom makes kind of this big moral stand about telling two people not to stop about it, like not to fight about it. And then in the her, in the parking lot with the car, she's like, oh, let's keep going to more grocery stores to load up on more things. You know, mm-hmm. like it's still all about survival of the fittest. Yeah, I thought um, one thing I really liked about this book is how she mentions the shift in people. Um Oh, when, yeah, like when circumstances know. change, yeah, with with mm-hmm. people they know. So people who, you know, used to be just like them and used to be more westernized. And then as this new like regime is kind of taking over the, these new ideologies or this new like going back to the very like fundamental um, 
issues with the faith, you know, they change. And like these people that they thought that they knew are suddenly capable of of different things. And even just as small as like um, the women who used to dress more openly, show more skin or something, all of a sudden are now very judgmental about that their family when they're not wearing the veil like to standard you know yeah no exactly just the change in personalities with with the people they know with family friends with kids her age like Mm -hmm. just how many different paths people will go right and it's it's hard too because you know to me that doesn't feel right but at the same time it's like who's to say how people are going to react and in some ways like who can judge how they choose to survive in situations where um everything that they knew is kind of just being like squashed or or banned you know for them to even enjoy like I don't know that those are just questions and um situations that I've never had to be put through right so I have no idea how I truly would react when these things are forced upon you. Yeah, me. it's a nice privileged position that we don't have to worry about that for sure. Right, but it's, you know, but again, I think this book does a really great job of showing the way that those things can very quickly be changed. I think Yeah, that, I like... Like, I, I liked how much this book, I think, kind of tells the reader to never take anything for granted you know, like mm-hmm. the freedoms that we possess, like, you know, we've moved so far as a society. Those things can actually go backwards. You know, they are going yeah. backwards in some areas, in some states, even now. And, you know, just because we're here now and we feel like we've accomplished stuff as a nation, depending on who's in power, like those things aren't set necessarily in stone. Like our rights aren't actually like written down in a lot of ways it's just it's sad it, it you can't take it for granted I guess yeah no it's it's a good the novel is definitely a good reminder of that because it's also not set that long ago I mean that's the other right. thing I think it's easy to look back on historical events like that and separate yourself just by the time and I mean it's not like I was thinking about um you know I I love the little details that are in the book. Like there's one chapter called Kim Wilde because, you know, she also is really into like punk music and like mm-hmm. all the was those Western bands and her parents go to Turkey and she wants them to smuggle her back, you know, things like Nike shoes and like con- um, concert posters of like Kim Wilde and Iron Maiden. And I, I love like the images of how they smuggle it back. But it's like that's not like that's really recent, mm-hmm. like really recent. And so you just I think it helps with connecting some of that a little bit because it's not the olden times, you know, like it's just this is just behind us and all of this is happening still. Right. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, like Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale of just like, you know, when she wrote that when she wrote that book, everybody was baffled. They were like, oh, the United States could never do this. Like, this could never happen in the United States. We couldn't go that far backwards. She's like, actually, you know what? I didn't make anything up. Everything that I put in this book is happening or has happened recently. And that's exactly what this kind of reminded me of. It's like, yes, this is the 1980s. 
but this happened very, very quickly in a still like a modern era yeah. of society. We are really not that different <laughs> from the 80s. Well, and a lot of those things are still happening over can, there, you know, there. Yes. And it's and I think that she does a good job of focusing on which because she has to. It's her point of view. But, you know, I think also a lot of times we like to insert ourselves. And while we should focus mm-hmm. on our role in different conflicts around the world, since we certainly play a part in almost all of them, like we get we make it too focused on us how does it affect us what does it mean for us and she doesn't really discuss the rest of the world you know what I mean like it's it's so focused on her and her home life and how it affects her directly and I think it's so important to give more voices to those stories instead of just our view on it you know yes well it makes you think about your life but it also makes you care about about otherwise and it it shows that the the battle's not over right like you hear so many women or at least i have heard a lot of women and men specifically say that like feminism isn't needed anymore like we've reached that point we're equals it's like we're not equal actually until we're equal around the world and it doesn't matter globally if we've made progress here if these issues are still happening elsewhere and those are still things that we need to be concerned about and this, I think, like you said, gives a great perspective and voice to a specific issue. Yeah. Sorry. My eyes hurt now because I rolled them so hard when <laughs> at the concept of like feminism is over. Like, I've that was heard a people painful. say that. Yeah. It's I crazy. Know, whatever. Whatever. No, I think the book does a really nice job, too, of, of making it so personal and bringing up the issues of of dress and you know marriage and all of these mm-hmm. other things so she just does a great job of giving you all those perspectives you know from a young person's point of view from a female's point of view from someone like coming of age in that time period and then she's still got all the same shit you know she fights with her parents you know she smokes a cigarette to rebel she all goes through phases where she wants to be really pious you know, she goes through where she just wants to be super rebellious. Like she has the same worries that like any other kid has, but she's having to have that while growing up in this kind of environment. Like it's just so like she's also having to really, you know, death is a very um, present reality for her in a way that it isn't for a, a lot of people. You know, and I think she right. presents that in such a way like her her drawing is kind of not busy, like. I think she's pretty simple. I mean, it's all black and white, which I think is a nice choice. Um, really just like simple lines, but she does a good job with not a lot. You know, it's like the scene where she realizes that her friend has died in the bombing. Like mm-hmm. it just gets really simple. You know, there's not a lot of background and then it becomes no background. And then, you know, she talks about she realizes, you know, that the girl's dead and it's just a black square you know, just she I think she makes some powerful choices with how she draws as well. Um, and the black and white, I think, makes it really striking and like really makes you focus on the words too. you can't get that lost in the pictures. But yet they're so simple that those them, the picture, just the pictures themselves kind of tell the story like she does a good way of telling the story through dialogue, through the words, through explanation, mm-hmm. as well as just purely the drawing. Which I think is really cool about graphic novels. You get, it's like you get two right. for one. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm yawning. 
But yeah, no, you get two. You get two for one with the with the graphic novels. I'm just tired. I'm old, Sadie. I'm tired. You're okay. It's okay. You've got a lot going on. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, the ugh, that scene with the neighbors was, I think, one of the hardest ones to read. Um, especially because I think I, th- I really like the fact that she emphasizes in that scene anger and. Mm-hmm. Um, at the tragedy of it all. And I think one of the things that's most tragic with that is, you know, the chapters called the Sabbath or the Sabbath. And basically the whole reason her friend's family was killed was because they were pious and because stayed home. Yeah. For Shabbat. Traditionally they would be at their home for the Sabbath. And, um, otherwise they were staying, they were like hiding out in the parking garages of hotels that are, um, more built or constructed to kind of like withstand uh, yeah. the bombings and just like the trashy of that. And also the anger, like how insane is that, that they just couldn't be safe in their own yeah, home in their own or home. that it had to happen the day, the only day of the week that they're going to be home. Yeah, and she says right after, I mean, then the next chapter starts called The Dowry, and it's where she talks about after that death, my life took a new turn. In 1984, I was 14 and a rebel. Nothing scared me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, yeah, it's that you can tell that that's a shift for her, and it, you see more of that in the second book. But this is kind of, it's like we had her childhood, and now she's not a child anymore. Like, right. that was it. I mean, a lot of people, I think right around that 14-year-old age mark is kind of where you enter into this, you know, you're a teenager still you're not an adult but like you're really here's your fast track now you're on your fast track to adulthood it's almost like that childhood is is over for a lot of people in a lot of different ways and for her it's over because she's now you know had this traumatic experience and like and it you really see the shift in her and in her character I think I mean there's little things that were there all along she's always been outspoken and you know a little rebellious but it like she really kind of picks her path you know and that's when she gets expelled Right? I think that's when she gets yeah. expelled. Well, she's she's expelled in that chapter. And then uh, I think it's it's right after she gets in trouble um, that she kind of learns the full reality of these other bits of trauma that she's she's been uh, exposed to, specifically with that uh, young communist girl that was taken from their friend's house she Mm -hmm. was in hiding and then she gets killed and the reason the chapter is called the dowry is because of this story and they talk about how they execute them um but that because it's against the law um to kill a virgin to kill a virgin a guardian of the revolution marries her and takes her virginity before executing her um, and then they send, because it's also traditional to pay a dowry if, if the girl dies to the family. Um, the husband has to pay they, the dowry yeah. to her family. So that's what happened with her after she was executed to make sure her awful fate was understood. They sent 500 two months to her family, which is the equivalent of five dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a, such a good chapter. It's so po- like I love 
that scene. I love the scene where she's like talking about before she leaves going and spends the night at a grandma's house. Mm-hmm. And she has this, these beautiful blocks where she talks about, she says, I watched my grandma undress each morning. She picked Jasmine flowers to put in her bra so that she would smell nice. When she undressed, you could see the flowers fall from her breasts. It was something to see. And then she talks about like, grandma, why do you have such round breasts? And she says, I <laughs> soak them in a bowl of ice water for 10 minutes, which I'm like, huh, I wonder like, should wonder I start how that trying works. That? <laughs> yeah. Do I need to try this? Um, and just that, like, and she says, I already knew this, but I wanted to hear her say it, you know, and um, she says she'll come see her. And she's like, I know she's not. She's lying. And, you know, she gives her advice. She says, in life, you'll meet a lot of jerks. If they hurt you, tell yourself that it's because they're stupid. That will help keep you from reacting to their cruelty because there is nothing worse than bitterness and vengeance. Always keep your dignity and be true to yourself. And she says, I smelled my grandma's bosom. It smelled good. I'll never forget that smell. And that was just such a touching you know, because mm-hmm. how traumatic is that, too, to have to leave your homeland and leave your family? And she's got such great, simple, kind memories. And I love how those were represented in here to kind of counteract some of the awful scenes. You know, like it's just yeah. a nice uh, it's just such a nice, well-rounded portrayal of her life in all of its sadness and beauty. You know, it's also not right. a like feel sorry for me story. It's a here's my life. Here's why I am the way I am. Here's, you know, here's a perspective on it. Like, I just think it's, it's such a straightforward, blunt telling and just really beautiful as well as sad. I agree. I loved that chapter too with, with the grandma and her admitting that she just wanted her, like to hear her tell that again. I just think the, the attention to that moment shows so much maturity in her as a character in this moment um not just as like her as an author retelling this as an adult but in that moment the fact that she's that's something she cares about and she's paying attention to and Mm -hmm. so much maturity it's like she's finally kind of realizing I guess the full scope of what she's experienced and what is truly going on and um coming into herself and I think coming unfortunately into adulthood already at like the age of 14, you know, like this is, that's a lot of maturity to have at 14 and a lot of, um, I don't know, like, like just the, the way that she expresses so much that it matters and, um, to her shows, I think a different level of maturity than she's shown throughout the rest of the novel. Because yeah. she's still I'm, very much like an adolescent, I think, in the in the rest of the book. Yeah, for sure, I agree. I'm excited to talk about the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you read that one already, or are you still reading? I'm like it? halfway done, so I haven't okay. finished it. Okay, well, it's really good. I'm excited to like finish that up and talk about that with everyone next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really liked this. It's definitely a nice change of pace, and like it definitely made me. You know, it gives a nice perspective to the Iranian Revolution and also in just like what life's like in general over there and um, keeps that in the forefront of things that are still so important to know about and think about. So I think I'm glad we we did this. I will be ready for a palate cleanser with a nice murder thriller. Something <laughs> <I> less. <know. laughs> something We've been dealing totally... with some heavy subjects lately, haven't we? I know we have. Are you are you reading anything else right now? 
No, not really. But I am wanting to. Um, oh, there's a book I really wanted to read. Oh, it's the Invisible Life of Addie Larue. It's it came out. It's by the Schwab, and I have not read it, but I've heard really great things. And I was planning on starting it tonight. And that book is like, it's kind of like a sci-fi fantasy, but not really. It's, it's only so much in the fact that like, it's about this woman who's immortal. Basically what happens is this woman is like in the 16th century. She doesn't want to marry this guy because he's awful and abusive, Mm. but she's being forced to marry him. And she, she takes time to pray to not marry him. She like asks for, she basically kind of sells her soul to the devil in a way to like get out of this marriage. And so what she gets out of it is she can live forever, but nobody can remember her after like 30 minutes. Hmm. So she's, she gets to live forever. She gets to like live the life she wants to live in a way, but she doesn't get any real true human connection because nobody can remember her. And so the book is about her like going through life that way. And then I I'm guessing something happens that maybe changes it a little bit, but I haven't started it yet. And I'm really looking forward to reading it. I've heard kind of mixed reviews. I've heard that it's, um, very, very good. And then I've also heard like, Oh, the, the plot is weak. Because, yeah. but, but at the same time, I think it's more of like a character study of like what that would be like. So I'm not really like looking for an exciting plot necessarily, just kind of an interesting take on what that might be like. And nice. Have, have that you sounds been, interesting. Thank you. Have you, have you been reading anything? Yeah. Adults? So I'm reading The Lying Life of Adults by um, Elena Ferrante. So she's the author that does that Neapolitan trilogy i think last time you visited we went to barnes and noble and like you picked up one of those because i was telling you how great that is yeah so she so she wrote this novel it's really good um i'm really really liking it um so i'm reading that right now and then i want to so my friend natalie was telling me about it's kind of like a historical fiction she's reading but i want to get like an actual more like historical book about the widow cluquette so you know that champagne brand Viv Clicquot. I don't know how you say it. I don't know. It's the one with the it's the one with the yellow, um, or like kind of golden label. But anyway, it's like one of the top champagne companies. And this woman, she was this widow at twenty seven, and she kind of revolutionized, like she like helped with the wine business, and then like created this way to do champagne so that it's clear because it used to not be clear. And she like totally brought it back from you know the brink of nothing, um, and like took control of the wine business and was like this prominent female in, I mean, that was a total male dominated industry. Um, so she was telling me about this non or this historical fiction book she's reading about her, but I like, well, that made me interested. That's cause like Verve is widow. So it's like the widow Cluquette. That's the name of the champagne. And she's the widow that that's awesome. Did the whole business. Yeah. So there's like a, there's like an actual novel about it, about her that I wanted to read. Cause that sounded really interesting to me, but yeah, that that's, does. Yeah. I, yeah. you know what, you need to send me some recommendations for like your top tier nonfiction picks, because mm. I have really been lacking nonfiction in, in my reading lists. Basically, <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. I haven't read a nonfiction book for 
uh, a very, very, very long time. So I would love yeah. to get some of your recommendations for that because reading just, I know the, the one you're talking about was, I think, fiction, but the real no, but story like, would be No, but I want to get the one. Yeah, I definitely would recommend anything by Isabel Wilkerson. So she just came out recently with Cast, The Origins of Our Discontent. Mm-hmm. That book was amazing. I gave a copy of that to your dad too. And then she did The Warmth of Other Suns, The Epic Story of America's Great Migration. And that one was really excellent. But yeah, I'll send you a list because I've really gotten into nonfiction as well. I try and do like a nonfiction with a fiction. Yeah. Um, and it's been great. So yeah, I would be happy to I'll even put them up on the on our Instagram, on the Instagram, if anyone even looks at that. The so gram. I'll put those up there. The gram. <laughs> um, the gram. Have you have you picked up? Uh, gosh, the name is is escaping me. I know Pond is in the title, I think. But George Ezra? Saunders. New oh, book. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't picked it up. It's on it's in my little wish list cart. Yeah, I picked I picked it up at the bookstore the other day, but I have not yet started. I'm very eager to start it. I love George Saunders. Mm-hmm. As I already have talked about my own like little love yes. and moment yes. with George Saunders. I'm you're, just obsessed. You're big brush so, with celebrity. He's my crush. I heard him on NPR like maybe oh, I don't know, like a three or four months after my cute little email exchange with him and you're like I, I know died. him yeah I know I was like that guys he's my friend we exchanged two emails we've exchanged we have exchanged correspondence yes yes, yes. <laughs> that's awesome uh okay yeah that's all I'm reading but I will definitely send you some recommendations but uh you need to finish book two I'm excited to talk about mm-hmm. it next week mm-hmm so everyone, if you have not, hurry and get caught up and then also remind everyone what is our next book so they can go pick that up as well. It's The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. Someone likely dies in it. Someone like I heard a murderer is involved. <laughs> Sadie's assuming there's a murder in it. <laughs> we'll see if she's right. I know. I'm, I'm really excited. I have not read a mystery novel for a very long time probably since i read like sharp objects and gone girl with those books like oh came yeah out. i i read those i read like donna tart's the secret history too that's like a good mm-hmm. one that's pretty fun um yeah i like i like novels like this why not Be yeah fun to talk about i mean give us something lighter okay mm-hmm. especially after nightwood like yeah there's there's nothing lighter than murder <sighs> <laughs> nope <laughs> nope no pay you know some people fall asleep to law and order episodes some people watch true prime shows we read like murder thrillers yes yeah um there's what now so that same author that does like sharp objects what's her name jillian jillian flynn yeah i can't remember the name of the other book but she writes another one and it's about it kind of focuses on that this woman who actually goes through a trauma when she's young like her family's murdered she's the only one that survives and it's a dark place yeah where she gets connected with that group that's like they're like true crime kind of obsessive people like some of them try and like solve the crime some of them are there because of you know just the titillation like it's interesting because she kind of talks about that like this culture of Mm -hmm. you know our, our obsession with murder and true crime and so I think it's an interesting thing to think about when we you know read stories like that and how long that's been going on like how long people have wanted to read stories like that and been interested in it and like the serials that start about it and like our fascination with murder and the the ones that we choose to be fascinated with Mm -hmm. and pay attention to versus the ones that we don't and the ones that are published in the newspaper and the ones that aren't See, we can 
we can totally pontificate on this mystery thriller as well. Like I have just found a way to pontificate on that. Like that is a talent people. I can find a way to talk about things. Like I know all about it, just about any subject. Why else would we start a podcast? Why else would we start a podcast to just talk about shit? So job security (laughs) job. Yeah, because oh, we're God. getting paid so much money. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we need to stop. This is the second time tears have been brought to my eyes out of laughter. <laughs> this that's good. If nothing that else, that's thing. what we're getting out of it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening and putting up with us. Um, <laughs> go pick up a copy of uh, our next book and hurry and finish Persepolis if you haven't already. So hurry and get that finished, ladies, so mm-hmm. we can talk about it soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.